transmission by me, Donald Dean. Make me an island. Hello there and welcome to Make Me an Island of the Republic of Ireland where today we're going to go all the way back to our roots, to the foundation stone and the very heart of the musical matter where the soul vibrations are strongest and the real truth resides because here on episode 47 we are finally going to talk Ted. What are you two trying to do? Put me in some kind of cross? Don't keep on asking me the same questions. Ain't there one here all my balls? Listen, I'm grown over 21. Nobody bossed me before. Just keep on treating me like a child if you wanna. I'll have you both running out the door. What are you two trying to do? Make me look like a fool. I demand some kind of respect from y'all. Ain't now one of y'all's love is true. Go on, go on, I don't wanna hear all this about who I love the best. If y'all hadn't cornered me off in this corner, we wouldn't have never had all this mess. Oh, I wish I stayed home with the one I love, sincere and true. But I wasn't satisfied with one, people. I tried concentrating on two. Wait, let me warn all my friends. Don't be greedy, don't be doggish. Don't be deceitful, don't be selfish. Big out and unsatisfied and hoggish. It won't last somewhere down the line, people. Putting a cross every time. Go on, go on, I want to hear all this. Stuff about who I love the best. If y'all hadn't caught me off in this corner, we wouldn't have never had all this mess. Ted Hawkins is one of the most unlikely and, at the same time, one of the most representative performers in all of American music. The life story of this itinerant singer, songwriter and guitarist reads like someone made it up. Born into desperate circumstances, abandoned as a baby, left to fend for himself and all too familiar with the inside of various institutions from a very young age, Hawkins nevertheless had an extraordinary gift with that enormous voice which erupted from the very core of his being and captivated everybody who heard him busk on the boardwalk of Venice Beach, California, during those stretches that he wasn't inside in the clink. That voice of his is one of the core reasons I am here today talking about music like I know something. So much of what I think I know, I am sure I learned from him. In 1983, when the nighttime sky over Kerry was my celestial screensaver and the radio was my internet to the power of one, I can recall the exact moment when the voice of Ted Hawkins cut through the ether for the very first time. My musical education was dependent on whatever was being thought on the wireless, so I had little schooling in the blues up to the point at which I heard this. It was a foundational moment of the shakiest kind. The windows and doors to a whole new world blew open in its wake. From that day forward, for all the world's ills, a sick note I got. Good morning, my darling, I'm telling you this To let you know that I'm sorry you're sick Though tears of sorrow won't do you no good I'd be your doctor if only I could What do you want from the liquor store? Something sour or something sweet i buy you all that your belly can hold You can be sure you won't suffer no more 
I swim the ocean or the deepest canal To get to you, darling, just to make you well There's no place on earth I would hasten to go To cool the fever, this I want you to know What do you want from the liquor store? Something sour or something sweet I'll buy you all that your belly can hold and be sure you won't suffer no more If only the doctor would hurry and show There's quite a few places I know we could go I was okay but these words from you Stayed in you sick and made me sick too What do you want from the liquor store? Something sour or something sweet I'll buy you all that your belly can hold You can be sure you won't suffer no more Promise me, darling, that you won't die I'll get all the medicine money can buy Stick with me, baby, hold on and fight Take a good rest, I won't prolong the flight What do you want from the liquor store? Something sour or something sweet I'll buy you all that your belly can hold You can be sure you won't suffer no more what do you want from the liquor store? Something sour or something sweet? I'll buy you all that your belly can hold. You can be sure you won't suffer no more. Sorry You're Sick and all of the songs you'll hear today are taken from an album called Watch Your Step which was released in 1982 on Rounder Records. Hence the reason he got played on the Dave Fanning show the following year, thereby scattering a band of pigeons encircling my world through the medium of a freshly thrown cat. I am so sure of the dates here because we're talking about a very crucial and critical time in my own musical education. All this happened somewhere around the year dot. Before the internet and infinite choices on multiple devices, there were Saturday nights with a single tape recorder and less musical options than the four AA batteries it took to power the rudimentary dream machine. What went in what we called a stereo on those weekend nights was a very big deal indeed. And all throughout the summer of 1983, with varying degrees of success, I took it upon myself to convince my friends and anyone else within earshot that the only show in town was the Ted Hawkins experience. However much convincing that took was a small price to pay. The vocational zeal streak in my own journey through sound has deep roots and between the covers of Watch Your Step is where you'll find them. So captivated was I by his voice that becoming a missionary for his music was simply something that had to be done. The pain and trouble that lay at the heart of it all was unknown to me, but the manner in which it became a balm for my own soul couldn't be clearer. Direct hits to the heart, right on target, every time. I didn't know anything about where he was coming from, but it took just 50 seconds of him singing the praises of an airline with an abbreviated name to send me into dream time. T.W.A. goes way out to satisfy Extra comfort laid out in the sky Special steps were taken to please you So you know they cares about you Experts honestly working to please you Elegant, flexible, better than the rest Step on board this mansion to paradise. Your true happiness means their success. 
Born in Mississippi on October 28, 1936, Ted Hawkins grew up poor and mistreated. Subjected to even more than the usual indecencies afforded African-American children in the pre-World War II South of America. He was in Oakley Training School, a reform institution, before he was a teenager. And he was sent to the notorious Parchman Farm, aged 15, for stealing a leather jacket. The years that followed are hazy. Ted travelled aimlessly but extensively from the mid-1950s to the mid-1960s, by which time he had lived through two marriages and landed in Los Angeles. Just like his itinerant lifestyle, Ted Hawkins' music fits no pattern, veering from hard-edged soul to even harder country, from sweet-voiced pop to open-hearted folk, all pulled by a powerful, hard-earned spiritual undertow in that voice like no other. In 1966, he got to cut a single for the Money Records label. Which tragically didn't make any of what it says on the tin and in the land where money talks, the silence was deafening. The single promptly disappeared without trace and with it, so did Ted. It was half a decade later before another break came his way, this time in the shape of a random encounter with producer Bruce Bromberg on Venice Beach Boardwalk, where Ted was busking perched upon his customary milk crate. Hawkins would go on to make other recordings in his lifetime, but the ones he made with Bromberg in 1971 carried such emotional weight and raw soul power, they were never bettered. These songs are pure fire, wrapped in a kind of cool that is not so easily lost. She hurts your feelings, I'm treating you cruel. Don't let it upset you, don't lose your cool. I know you're hurting, I know you're mad. I bet she's the best girl you've ever had. Listen, show me a man. Don't jump to conclusion. 
Amateur Roots of the Most Heartfelt Music is a line of investigation we've been following throughout the series here on Make Me an Island. Most of the best stuff has humble beginnings, we have found. It's no romantic cliché to suggest that great art might be more likely to be born out of hunger and need from performers who are singing for their supper, for whom summoning the air from one's lungs is a matter of life and death. There is an urgency and vitality to all the songs on Watch Your Step that could never, ever come from a place of comfort or privilege. This is a sound built on a painfully raw, lived-in experience of suffering and sacrifice. I gave up all I had Everything that made me glad I gave up all Like she said she would I'd go back to my baby If I just thought I could I gave up all I had All the good things that made me glad I gave up all I had For you, oh yeah. I walked the street all night Moment to hold her tight Wanted to hear her tell me that everything's all right But you won't let me go, you follow behind me still Why don't you leave me alone and let me do what I will I gave up all I had All the good things that made me glad I gave up all I had for you children, and they were nice to me. They loved and respect for me, but I had to earn that love. They didn't have no daddy when I first met the girl. I took them under my wing. That's when we fell in love. I gave up all I had, all the good things that made me glad. I gave up all
Soon after these miraculous recordings were made in 1971, Ted Hawkins was in trouble again, and the prospects of securing a release disappeared with his incarceration in the California Medical Facility in Vacaville. There he stayed till August 20th, 1982, when his release coincided with that of his long-lost record. The album's release was negotiated while he was still doing time, and the cover photo is shot in the yard of the facility. The way we connected with the cover art of our most cherished records is a disappearing love story with well-thumbed and dog-eared pages, but the hours I spent staring at the cover of Watch Your Step were never wasted. All I needed was a single picture to match this voice of experience that was doing so much to stir my imagination. Years later, I discovered the dramatic pink shirt that Ted was wearing was brought by the photographer so he could be pictured in something other than prison-issue clothing. If only I'd known. The shirt off my back was the least I could offer this oracle of the blues. I took all my cues from him at this point. Every warning sign I heeded and step I watched. Watch your step before you stumble and fall. You promised daddy true love and sugar and that ain't all. Caught you taking it easy baby with the one night affair. I'm skipping and jumping, baby, head high in the air. Watch your step that you're supposed to do. Can't meditate on you, baby, and your boyfriend, too. I caught you kissing and hugging the dog, all dressed in black. Tell me what would entice you, baby, to do a thing like that. Well, something on my mind. I can't understand Your arms open with your squirming body Kissing some other man Think I can take it You're mistaken My heart's breaking I ain't faking Well, why don't you squeeze me Like I told you to You're kind of loving, baby Just won't do Get up and get over here Sit on your daddy's knee Take all night long, sugar Gotta make you see Listen to daddy, sugar Got something to say I don't mind the things you do, sugar If you do it my way You're just like muddy, honey Jumping from hand to hand Gotta stop all this messing and dressing Switching from man to man Something on my mind I can't understand Your arms open with your squirming body Kissing some other man Think I can take it You're mistaken My heart's breaking I ain't faking I ain't working Early in 1986 BBC Radio 1 DJ Andy Kershaw travelled to Los Angeles unannounced to record Ted for the corporation. Soon after, Ted was persuaded to step on a plane for the first time and travel to England where he would spend the next few years. That's how he ended up coming to Ireland in 1987 and I was perched somewhere in the middle of the front row of every show he played on that and subsequent trips. I waited outside the Gaiety Theatre to get his autograph on April 3rd and the following night, I listened entranced as his remarkable story unfolded on the wireless. 
The BP Fallon Orchestra was my lifeline in those days, and the sheer magnitude of the music I was introduced to through it makes it the foundation for my subsequent offerings to the world of broadcasting. Those shows stood out like a beacon, and it never shone brighter than on April 4th, 1987. With kind permission of BP himself, I am now going to show you why. The painful details of Ted Hawkins' early childhood were laid bare from the start. Well, um, I had to uh, fend for myself. I had to, to raise myself. How come? Uh, I didn't have a mother. I had a mother, but, you know, it takes more than just M-O-T-H-E-R to make a mother. Right. And uh, my mother um, was a drunken, foul-mouthed prostitute that didn't have time for her boys. I had um, three brothers, which I don't know who, where they are as of now. Is that a heartache? Well, it used to be, but um, I um, just take the bitter with the sweet. Right. I can't um, worry about that. You know, right. about the hard time that I've had. I've got to thank God for letting me live, uh-huh. you know, to carry on. And was your father away all the time as well, or did you ever know him? I've never seen him. Uh-huh. My father wanted a little girl, and I was told that he wanted a little girl, and I came out a boy, so he, he split. <laughs> oh, dear. And what was it like growing up in Mississippi, apart from the difficulties uh with your folks, was it tough down there then? There was always difficulties in everything that I um, tried to do. It was hard on me. I had to eat. I had to feed myself. And that was 1936, um, you know, during the um, Depression. Right. I don't know how long the depression, the oppression, depression lasts, but uh, it seemed like to me it was for a lifetime, you know. Feeding out the garbage cans. A little boy. I, I developed the name Dirty Junior. Dirty Junior. Uh, <laughs> yes. And uh, how old were you when... I mean, may I ask you, do you mind if I ask you how old you are now, Ted? I'm 50 now. Uh, I'm yeah. proud of it. So, so you should be. <laughs> and how old were you when, you when you started fending for yourself and everything like that? As far as I can remember back. Forever, really? I've always uh, done for myself, even after I've grown up. Nobody uh, had never done nothing for me at all. And what about stuff like schooling? Did you have any of that? I tried to go to school, but they uh, ran me away because of the fact that they, they didn't like the way I pester their children for their lunch. Oh, really? You know, um, it, it looked and smelled so good. I wanted some of it, you know, and I was, um, I was facing starvation, man. I almost starved to death. And how did you go and get food then? Uh, there was places like um, behind the store where they throw out uh, bananas and oranges and apples and stuff that has uh, rotted. I take my fingers and uh, put, you know, dig out the rot, throw it away, and eat the rest. I'd go behind places like Crescent and Woolworths, which you guys like. What, what's that? The five and ten cent store that you guys probably don't know about no. here, um, but there are five and ten cent stores downtown. You know, called Crescent, Woolworths, J.C. Penney's, and oh, places yeah. like that. They throw. They got a big long um, trash can out in at out back. I, I remember climbing up into the trash, you know, looking among the trash, and I, I'd find broken cookies that they couldn't sell, uh-huh. you know, uh, and candy and popcorn and stuff like that. And that's why I don't have hardly no teeth today because <laughs> chewing on that candy. I'd go down by the waterfront and I'd get me a string, and um, behind the store I'd get a piece of raw meat tied on a string and make myself a net. I'd go down to the um, waterfront and stick the, drop it down in the uh, water and catch crabs. 
You guys know what crabs are, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I know what crabs are, yeah. <laughs> I'd pull up crabs and I would uh, boil them and eat the crabs. Pick up pecans. What's that now? Pecans um, is a nut, nut that grow on a tree. Uh -huh. And um, um, money was um, very scarce. And money wasn't the only thing scarce or entirely absent from young Dirty Junior's broken world. As we have seen so many times before, however, salvation and respite from the pain came in the form of music, and in Ted's case, in the unlikely shape of a white guy called Red. Well, as far as I can remember back, I've been able to sing. When I was um, 12 years old, I heard a man sing a song that brought tears to my eyes and caused me to cry, and I liked the feeling that it gave me, and so I kept trying to capitalize that feeling, you know, kept, kept, captivate that feeling from then on. And do you remember what kind of music it was that he was singing? It was a, a white guy by the name of Red Foley. All right. He was singing a song called um, Peace in the Valley. It's a beautiful song. I was just a child, and I didn't know anything about a good feeling, so it's got to be true that a song really do give you a good feeling. That same good feeling, gleaned from the voice of Red Foley, would become the measure of Ted Hawkins' musical dreams and song choices throughout his career. Consideration would only ever be given to singing songs with that all-important feel. Well, you see, anything that, um, that um, squeezed my heart, I fall in love with it. Mm. And I try to learn it. Mm. Um, if anything can't get it here, okay? Anything is not, just, just any song is not allowed in this heart. If I don't care what you say or how you like a song or how many people buy it or how big a hit it is, if I don't, if Ted Hawkins don't feel anything for it, and as far as I'm concerned, you know, it ain't nothing. And if it's, if it's not worth me trying to learn it. But I got to feel like that feeling that Red Foley gave me. Right. You know, that Peace in the Valley thing. Uh -huh. I wish you could hear that song. Then you know what I'm talking about. And the night, night is as black as the sea. Peace in the valley for me someday. There will be peace in the valley for me. Oh Lord, I pray. There'll be no sadness. And whatever peace came Ted's way, from valleys known or unknown, it only ever provided temporary shelter from the storms that raged throughout his life. Emerging from a shattered childhood with little by way of life skills or education, his attempts to find and hold down a job was a somewhat doomed exercise played out in kitchens and steel foundries. The hands of Dirty Junior simply weren't made for... Uh, washing dishes. Really? How old were you when you were doing that? Um, I tried to start doing it at about... Um, about... 13... But I wasn't fast enough. I didn't know. See, if you look around, we need some cups. We, and I get the cups. We need some spoons. I said, well, I'm taking care of the cups. You know, <laughs> we need some monkey dishes. We, we, we need some plates. And the guy would stop doing what he's doing. And you got to be fast, man. You, you, come on. Come on, Ted. You got to be fast. I try to be fast. I'm dropping the, 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 the uh, dishes and breaking them, cutting my hand. And I just walked out. Really? And what was the next step then? I had a job. Um, um, when I start um, traveling, I, I traveled to Buffalo, New York, in a steel foundry where, where the, um, that iron, the, um, 
the melted iron. It right. was hot. I thought it was. Man, it was hot. Uh, I had to pour that stuff at a long dipper. Yeah. It was heavy, you know, and I had to pour it into different um, molds or molds. Yeah. And, and the molds was as far as your eyes can see. Wow. And I had to fill up all those molds. And what were they making there, Ted? Uh, Sometimes cast iron um, this or cast iron that, you know, uh, one thing or the other. And were the working conditions dreadful then? Very, very dreadful. And uh, um, I left there without even getting my pay. Really? Because I'd have to stop my work many times and uh, I'd have to uh, go outside and sit down, you know, outside on the steps. Right. You know, Which I'm sure they didn't like that. They didn't like that, but it was so hot in there. You know, when you cough and spit up, you spit up that black set, uh, steel and stuff. And how long did you stick that for? Oh, mm, about two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Drifting from town to town, riding the boxcar to get him from here to there, Ted Hawkins relied on his voice to raise enough money for food and on his quick feet to get him away from any hotspot whenever trouble came calling. Well, um, I got beat up quite, quite a bit, you know, um, I was scared and uh, nobody could beat me running. I was the fastest runner in my neighborhood. I got the big feet, you know, size 14 and a half. Some people say I have to walk backwards around a corner and keep from kicking a car. (laughs) 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 Floating boats on dry land, you know what I mean? (laughs) Floating boats on dry land. What a way to describe walking the earth in size 14 and a half shoes. It was in that same beat-up footwear that Ted Hawkins travelled endlessly back and forth across America, catching a lift on the freight trains whenever it came time for a change of scene or swift getaway. They had the freight trains, they probably don't have them no more. Uh, They had the the freight trains, I'd reach up and grab a freight train and swing myself in it and ride until I get tired and just get off anywhere. That's called a yardbird, isn't it? Yeah. And then I'd walk the, uh, just the, uh, the highways, and there's nobody on that lonely highway but me, and the sun is, is going down. I don't want darkness to catch me out there because, you know, on the right hand, it, it's, it's dark. On the left, it's dark. Behind you, it's dark. And if you're scared, something's going to get you, and you, you start whistling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's okay. Ain't nobody going to get me now. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know how you do it. You're scared. And... and uh, I, it's, it started raining. It's, it's, it's awful, man. And what was it like traveling in those trains? These, these were sort of uh, not it's, people it's, trains, it's, were they? It's not a, it's, it's a train that carried cargo. Right. Um, and a freight train, it, it's, instead of going along smoothly and then before you know it, it's vibrating. Your whole body is going like that. You're trying to sleep and you wake up and your whole body is so much so and it cause you to cry out. You have to get up and stand up. Really? And that goes on all night. And I rode from Florida all the way to Chicago like that. Well, how many miles is that roughly? I don't know. It's halfway across <laughs> America anyway, if not I more. I rode for about three, about three, um, three nights, wow. you know, constantly. Riding freight trains for three days straight and endless time spent traversing the lonesome highway with a guitar in his back and a song in his heart was punctuated only by regular stints right back where he started in the clink. Well, I've been in and out of trouble with the law all my life. Um, ever since I was a child, when I was a little kid, um, you, we used to shine shoes, and, and blacks wasn't uh, allowed to shine shoes downtown. Really? And um, the police picked me up and put me in jail and called my wife. And um, my 
call my, my, my uh, mother and uh, wouldn't let me go, let her take me home until they witnessed her whooping me, you know, huh? beating my butt, you know, with the belt. I, my mother in 1949 sent me to a place called Oakley Training School, you know. That's called what? Oakley Training School right. for little bad boys. And I stayed there three years. What was that like? It was, uh, well, they, you had to learn how to fight and teach you how to take care of yourself. And you had to learn, you know, the, the boys. It, it, it was a boy's place, you know, and, um, and ran by the superintendent and his wife. And um, she got up, she heard me singing and, and uh, said that I had a good voice and took me to a place called Jackson, Mississippi. And she taught me a song called Somebody's Knocking At Your Door. And I, um, I froze. I was afraid to uh, go out on the stage. And she gave me a shove. And uh, <laughs> I went on out there and sang anyway. And I'm glad I did now. My little legs was like rubber. You know, I was, was could not understand if I was so scared. How old were you then? But I was about, um, about 13. Uh-huh. A guy when I was 15. And um, a guy talked me into going into a Harlem Davis motorcycle shop with him, you know, and I went in there and I didn't care about the motorcycles. I didn't have any clothes. And so I saw those motorcycle jackets with Harlem Davis written on the back of them, right. those two-tone, pretty, you know, black and silver motorcycle jackets. So I got me one of those and stupidly walking around in town with that on, the, the police didn't have no trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know nothing. <laughs> and and they, um, they sent me to a um, place called Parchment Penitentiary. Um, Is that Parchment Farm? Parchment Farm. It's worse than um, uh, Cool Hand Luke. Tell me about it. Yeah, you saw a cool hand loop, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, they they had a sadist there. A sadist? Uh, a sadist. Yeah. And he um, get his sexual gratification from whooping black butt, butts, you know. And um, he was angry with me because I wouldn't holler. You know, almost beat me to death because I wouldn't holler. You know, I wouldn't let him gonna holler and let him get his kicks off of me. I was prepared to die, you know, and I had to pick cotton, you know, and I had never picked cotton before. That was another good reason for him to whoop me, you know, because you have to pick 200 pounds of cotton every day, not 199, 200 pounds, you know, 199 will make him beat you just as hard as he would beat you if you hadn't went out in the field at all. And this is while you were in Parchment Farm, the prison? Mm-hmm. I had never seen cotton before. I didn't even know that cotton grew. Right. The only cotton I'd ever seen was in my pillow, you know, in, in my mattress. And I had to pick 200 pounds of that stuff. He knew I couldn't do it. And he was glad I couldn't. This way, he'd give him a chance to beat me. His name was Sergeant Cox. Never forget him. The torture inflicted and pain suffered at the hands of sadists like Sergeant Cox would put an end to most people's will to live. But perhaps unsurprisingly, considering his uniquely tough upbringing, Ted Hawkins was made of sterner stuff. If ever there was a singer capable of turning all that experience into something like gold, it was him. Had he been weighed down by the bitterness that was his right to bear, none of this magic would have happened. 
At this point, it's worth taking a moment to give praise and thanks for this truly remarkable resolve. I've found out that bitterness is a cirrhosis that um, have a tendency to um, hurt the people more who are bitter than the ones that they are bitter against. Right. Because uh, when you're bitter uh, at somebody or if you're angry with somebody, uh, he don't even know you're angry. <laughs> you ain't hurting nobody but yourself. So I just have to go on with my life. Take the bitter with the sweet mm. and move on. Going on up the King's Highway. Up on the King's Highway, exactly where royalty like this belongs. Ted Hawkins had but another eight years of hard living left after this interview was aired. The subsequent years were characterised by occasional ups and inevitable downs. Taking all that we know into account, it's really a miracle that he survived for so long and produced work of such enduring quality and lasting importance. Although never properly rewarded or adequately appreciated during his lifetime, his contribution to music is immense. He lived his life as an outsider with a gift so rare he could summon other lost souls in from the cold, myself included. A lifetime since I first heard it, the recurring dialogue and watch your step between humour and sobriety, tenderness and wildness, anger and joy, never fails to brighten up even the darkest of days. Here lies another big light that's never going out. The peace and happiness which eluded him from 1936 to 1995 lives on eternally. Another free-flowing melody in the river of song. I need someone to say they need me Even if they don't mean a word I don't need some stupid someone Complaining about some sheer I'd marry anybody tomorrow Just to run from trouble and sorrow Got a f- 